Gold holding the 1555 level. Will it break out or will it break down? Bitcoin's flirting with 9,000 again. Nick Hodge called the bottom a couple of months ago. We'll see if it holds up. More news from the Jeffrey Epstein nastiness. Um, There's now a lawsuit alleging that Mr. Epstein and all of the people that facilitated it um, were raping girls as young as 11 on what they call Rape Island. Um, (laughs) Never one for bad timing. The Trumpster decided he's going to hire Jeffrey Epstein's former attorneys, including Mr. Dershowitz, who is famous for being on the island some 26 times. The entire government in Russia decided to quit. Conference season is here. We'll tell you where you can go say hi to Mr. Nick Hodge. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. And this is episode 53 of Bizarro World. Nick, how the heck are you today? As always, Gerardo, I'm doing well. And I like this model where I just spout off my mouth and you remember things and then tell me I did things well. I can, I can certainly get used to that. I, I like that, but I don't like child rape. So let's talk about it. Let's, um, let's talk about it. Let's start there. The U S Virgin islands, um, are alleging in a lawsuit that the estate of Jeffrey Epstein is liable for over two decades of Basically running a rape island. He would have young women and girls to his private Caribbean island flown in by helicopter and boat. And then the raping would commence. Um, they, they are saying that the way that this was hidden from plain sight was through Epstein's associate associates and through a complex web of corporations, according to M. PR. I think it's interesting and and sick, but it all comes full circle, right? We talked about corporations and lobbyists and 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 the dirty influence that money in politics um has. And 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 I think this case kind of speaks to all of that. I mean, the bottom line is this is a guy who was so wealthy and connected that he could sell set up, you know, these shell corporations. Um, he could have his attorney shuffle paperwork around, shuffle bribes around, um, pay off politicians. And that enabled this guy, you know, to to get away with this for decades. This wasn't a secret. This wasn't something that um, was very hidden to to those that were in the know. You know, you had Prince Andrew out there. You had Bill Clinton out there. This wasn't a partisan thing. It was just sick fucking people doing sick fucking things. Um and I think it's very symbolic. We talked about the Pope uh, slapping uh, the pious pilgrim, right? A couple of weeks ago and how symbolic that was for, for what 2020 looks like. I think this is equally symbolic in the sense that, you know, it's money, it's corporations, it's attorneys um, doing whatever the dollar requires them to do. Um, thoughts on that, Nick? I know you have some. Well, I mean, it's it's sick, and we've we've obviously said that. But the important point here is that um, it it didn't happen in isolation, which you said. And so there are people that um, know things who um, are in positions of power. It remains to be seen if their um, names will be brought to light. We we've seen a couple um, already in in Andrew, which you mentioned. But um, there needs to be um, accountability, and there needs to be transparency because um, clearly the paper trail exists and clearly people were involved um, who haven't been killed yet. So 
Um, there's people alive who or arrested, know, uh, right? Who know stuff about this, and so you know, um, just like the the populace is is increasingly wanting accountability for uh, corporations and politicians, certainly um, we want accountability for this because it's not. Um, anything small. I mean, the guy was worth half a billion dollars. The islands were worth um, something like 85 or 86 million dollars. And the names, like you said, um, in the intro are high, high profile people, presidents, princes, um, the attorneys and, and finance people who represent them and manage their wealth. And so, um, you know, um, I have to mention the tinfoil hats again and the conspiracy theories and and, yep. and and how much of that has has been unraveled, whether it's, you know, going back a couple of years to um, the the banks conspiring to, to manipulate LIBOR or all the other things that have now been that have been speculated all the way to, you know, um, paper rigging of, of, of currency and metals markets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's just been too many to, to even recollect, right? Um, but there is, there is this air there that um, is getting close to being cleared, I think. Agreed. Agreed. Um, ugly, nasty stuff. I hope that sooner rather than later they go after the people that facilitated this because like you said this did not happen in isolation it is infuriating to me that no one else has even been arrested or charged with a crime um <laughs> it's something else and again back to the tinfoil hat stuff right there's a lot of people that speculate that he was a, a, an israeli intelligence asset and that the reason you know, they had this island was to get dirt on very important influential people, which speaks to the possibility of why nobody else has been arrested. Right. I mean, if, mm -hmm. if, if there's there's tapes, if there's audio, if there's video, um, you know, you, can you imagine a Donald Trump uh, sleeping with 14 year old girls or a B Bill Clinton to go on the other side of the of the spectrum politically there? Can you imagine tapes of that? Um, you know. A Prince Andrew, excuse me, a Prince Andrew, tapes of him. Um, that has has consequences far, far, far uh, beyond anything that really has been discussed out there. And again, it's just amazing to me what you can get away with if you have enough money and influence in this world. Um, well, it would shatter the narrative and it would, you know, break down the quote unquote barrier between whatever, like the um elites and not just the financial elites but the political elites and the you know the quote unquote ethical elites right the thought leaders or the people who are supposed to be the the most upstanding citizens in society and then so that in, in in that respect it's i mean it's foundation shaking right and 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 we need events like that we need truth and we need transparency and i look forward to i look forward to more information because there's tapes that haven't been deleted and there's people who, who, who aren't going to look the other way forever. And so I think it's only a matter of time. And there's victims that, that are speaking out and, you know, kudos to them and all the best energies and love to those people, those women, because, you know, the, 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 these are young girls that, that, that now are becoming young women and um, are speaking out and are not being quiet. And then they're finally getting a platform um, to speak. But again, it's just interesting to me that they're finally getting a platform on the major networks 
um, to talk about what happened. And it's only after the fact, right? After this guy, quote unquote, killed himself. So um, I hope that those women are given a real transparent um, platform and or platforms to speak to what happened, who was there. And I hope there's sincere follow-up because again, zero arrest outside of Mr. Epstein, who of course <laughs> killed himself, right? No. Yeah. Let's, uh, and we, usually we start with the markets, but we're not going to start with the markets today. Cause there's a lot of stuff out there to talk about. Um, again, you want to look innocent? Donald Trump thinks the best way to do that is to hire the people that help facilitate some of this stuff, right? Alan Dershowitz has long been rumored and not rumored, confirmed to, to have taken many trips to that Island. Um, you know, where he enjoyed massages, according to him, they were consensual and everybody was of age. Okay. Alan. Um, so he hired Donald Trump is hired. Of course, the impeachment trial is coming up next week. Um, we all know what that's going to end up likely being. It's going to be the majority Republican led Senate, um, you know, basically saying guilty, not guilty, um, guilty in the house, not guilty in the Senate. Um, it's all a charade, but it's interesting to me that the Trump administration has hired Ken Starr, who famously defended uh, Baylor University up the street from where I live here, about 50 minutes away. Of course, Baylor has one of the worst recent track records for covering up rapes in the university setting. Um, that Google that. I can put a link up if y'all would like. And and of course, you know, you have um, Alan Dershowitz, who, who has his own reputation with and links to the Epstein estate. Um, I don't know why, if you're the Trump administration, this is the approach you take, other than they really don't give a fuck about public perception because they believe their base, and probably rightfully so, can't be swayed one way or the other, which brings me to another, you know, Trump-related story. We find out this week that after being told by the administration that zero American soldiers were injured in Iraq after the Iran attack, um, we find out that was just a complete lie, fabricated. There were 11 American soldiers injured um, that, 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 that required medical attention. And again, the country didn't even blink. Like, I don't, I don't see any protest. I don't see anybody, you know, outside of the partisan hacks that protest everything, right? The fake outrage crowd um, really going to bat and saying, this deserves an investigation. This deserves follow-up. I don't see the serious people, the people that I take seriously that aren't partisan hacks that actually, you know, defend the constitution and are looking out uh, for, for the average everyday American citizen. I don't see those people up in arms about this. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Nick. I know I've been ranting and raving, but I just, it's, it's, it's just fascinating to me how little people care about stuff like this. We run around saying that we love the troops and America first and make America great again. This isn't great. Everybody, this, this, this specific story is not great. First of all, I didn't even see the news. So they did a really good job of <laughs> sweeping it under the rub rug and keeping it quiet. I didn't have my finger entirely on the pulse this week of, of global events, but nonetheless, you think I would have seen it. And second, I think that, um, and, and now I'll just talk for a little bit, you know, I think people are fatigued with the bullshit, right? Fatigued with the lies, fatigued with the fake news, fatigue, fatigued with the um, schemes, fatigued with the manipulation, fatigued with the cheating fatigued with the the rigging um and and fatigued quite frankly with 
um, the the disparate wealth inequality uh, in the country, and it and it all ties together. And so, um, you know, two stories we wanted to talk about today was this this cheating thing with uh, Major League Baseball, and another one I was going to tell you about was this farmer who um, was basically flooding the organic grain market with more grain than um, organic grain than could physically be grown in the country. And it took him years to get caught. I mean, the government didn't catch him. The industry didn't catch him. It took his fellow, well, not even fellow, because he wasn't an organic farmer, but other, <laughs> other, other organic farmers saying, hey, this guy is flooding the market with corn and soy that is not organic. And sure enough, the dude was making like $20 million a year just selling regular corn as organic, which fetches twice the price. And we don't have to get into this story, but the point is that um, it's like rampant in the culture, right? The, the cheating to, to win. And so it comes from the top down, whether it's um, the cheating we're talking about with um, Epstein and the covering up of, of people's actions that are influential in society, or whether it's um, corporations you know, cheating by using whatever it is, you know, pick your thing, non-GAAP accounting measures or um, outright selling products that don't work or, um, I don't know, maybe letting a plane fly that they know has flaws, for example. Um, it seems to be that um, everyone, every corporation is fine with breaking rules, with cheating um, to get ahead. And so, um, where does that come from? I, I, I don't know. I was doing some thinking about it and I was, I hate to tie it back to the last crisis, but it seems like we allowed the, the, the very institutions that caused the crisis that have led to further wealth inequality, that have led to a lack of investment in, um, new skills and new technologies and investment in their employees that have led to the low interest rates that have led to the massive amount of debt problems, they were never held accountable. And in many cases, um, they continued to cheat in the months and years after. I mentioned LIBOR already, but there was a litany of other scandals. And it's always, and we talk about this all the time, they get to pay a fine and they don't have to admit guilt. And so if um, presidents and the biggest companies in the world can do this, why can't everyone? And so that's the mentality I think that everyone has adopted. I agree. And, and let's talk about the cheating scandal with um, the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros, of course, um, won the 2017 um, World Series. They, they, they were the champs. Um, it's been now proven and confirmed by Major League Baseball that the Houston Astros were indeed cheating. The severity and the lengths that they went to win um, are not in question how much they did is there's there's let's start with the facts the facts are they had a system in place where players would be on the dugout steps behind the players in the tunnel the 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 the, the hallway that leads to the dugout there would be a computer monitor set up and in the outfield and for those of you who don't know baseball bear with me in the outfield would be someone or a camera positioned um, that could zoom in and steal the signs from the catcher and the pitcher. Um, and, and so what would happen is the camera would pick up the sign from the catcher or the pitcher about which pitch was going to be thrown to the hitter. If it was going to be a certain pitch, 
it would be communicated to the gentleman standing outside the dugout and you would hear a bang. One bang would be fastball. Two bangs would be curveball. And so why this is important is I, for those of you that don't play baseball, um, imagine being in a fight and you get to know exactly what punch the other guy or gal is going to throw at you. It becomes very easy to then just do the opposite and counter it and win. And so for a baseball hitter um, to know that you're going to get a curveball or you're going to get a fastball is is the equivalent of just taking batting practice. So this has been outed. I'll put the link up. It's very extensive. It actually was first brought to the attention of everybody by a former Houston Astros player and an internet blogger who goes by the handle at Jomboy, J-O-M-B-O-Y. And kudos to this young guy, man. He 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 broke down hours of footage and put together a just very, very impressive montage of all the different times that he's seen them do it um, with an explanation and, and, and a lot of good context and background. ESPN ran a great story today on it. I will put the link up so everybody could read through it. But back to your point, um, why would a baseball player that thrives on beating the competition why would that player want to engage in winning a championship title that they know they didn't earn? I don't understand the mindset. It's not, you're not the champions. You didn't beat everybody fair and square. You cheated. How is that satisfactory to people? I don't understand it. Well, it's like the people, I'm going to bring it right back to junior mining. You know, I'm going to do it. It's like the people who <laughs> cheat in junior mining, Gerardo, the money spends the same, whether you printed yourself a couple million or tens of millions of shares cheap, and then ran a promotion and sold them to the, to the general public, or um, you got your millions of dollars in, in contracts and or endorsement dollars because you, you cheated to win the Super Bowl. It's like similar things. And it's, it's sort of what I was just talking about five minutes ago. And, and I dare ask how old John Boy is. Do we know? I don't know. I want to say he's probably in his late 20s. Right. I bet you that kid's a millennial. And so now I'm going to go to the Absolutely. fourth turn. And so now I'm going yep. to go to the fourth turning, right? Because the instant it's a perfect microcosm, man. If the MLB is the corrupt world um, that has gone to cheating and exorbitant salaries and $15 Bud Lights uh, to pay those salaries as basically a tax on poor families who just want to take their kids to see a damn game. Um, yep. And they got these complex ass cheating scandals going down because it's all about winning and not about the love of the game anymore. And here along comes a millennial to expose it all and correct it. And that is the fourth turning. Sorry, I banged my pen on the desk. No, 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 no. We, 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 we bang that point home and, and we bang the table um, almost every week about it. Rightfully so. I think that there is, and then we've said it, I don't want to, you know, continue to say the same old thing, but there is definitely a movement afoot that is slowly but surely trending in the direction of we're not going to deal with the archaic structures that exist right now that no longer work for today's society. Um, you know, to, to, to kind of go to another millennial that I believe should be considered um, a hero and a patriot, um, Edward Snowden. I just got done finished. I, I just finished and got done reading his autobiography. And um, it's a, it's an absolutely fascinating read that I recommend to everybody. But, 
you know, this is someone that exposed um, <laughs> the United States government surveilling everyone, you know, U.S. citizens included um, and, and targeted specifically in, in, in most instances. And so, again, another millennial that just isn't going to idly sit by and watch it happen at great cost to himself personally. Right. There's a guy that's sitting there in Russia um, and, and had his passport revoked and he's basically stuck there. Um, and again, the abuses happened in a Bush administration after 9-11, in an Obama administration right afterwards, um, and continue to this day under the Trump administration to, to, to a large degree. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's ugly, it's, it's disheartening, but I do believe that there is a movement afoot that is that, that is looking to change that. And I think you're right, Nick. I think it's the millennials and the younger generation that are leading that charge. And, um, you know, you're going to see, you just said that it's about, you know, changing systems that are outdated, that are, that are arcane, that no longer work for modern society, right? So you're going to see things like direct voting over the internet, because of course, like, why wouldn't you let um, everybody vote on every law if it's a true democracy, right? Like it's such an obvious idea that those in power just fail to act on so they can remain those in power, right? It's like, you're gonna see um, big changes like that occur. Um, and now I'll pivot to the markets a little bit because some of those big changes, like you say, are gonna be to modernize systems to adapt to modern society and the technologies that we have now. And that includes like the digitization of currency, right? And like that, mm. like, then you have to go to talking about Bitcoin and you have to talk about, is the Federal Reserve going to digitize the dollar? And what do those implications look like? And is that one of the reasons people um, and big money is diversifying into um, cryptocurrencies and tokens um, and things like that? And then if you want to point to gold, it's very easy because um, you know, gold always makes it through to the other side, whatever the turmoil is, whatever the empire is, Ottoman, Roman, um, Asian, South American, it doesn't matter. Whatever the chaos is, gold always comes out on the other side holding its value. Um, it always has. We talk about in actually this issue coming up of Hard Asset Digest in January, uh, Mike Fagan talks a lot about like the cosmic origins of gold and how um, you know, some metals were uh, formed here on Earth, but the, the precious ones that we continue to reveal, reveal like, um, you know, rhodium and gold and, and, and platinum, et cetera, were formed by the, um, and this is going to get a little esoteric, but formed by the explosion of like neuron stars, right? And, sure. and, and just think about that and why we continue to, to value them and not like, I don't know, like wood or hay or grass or pieces of paper that have George Washington's face on them, for example, you know, like this stuff has been around for billions, uh, hundreds of billions of years since the formation of the universe. And, and I won't get any more wonky talking about gold in those terms, but like it's here to stay and it will be on the other side. And so you talk about like, um, and you have talked about over the past few years, like when things, everything starts going up together and like, we're starting to see that now, right? Like the stock market, that's, that's what I, yeah, the stock market doesn't go down anymore. I mean, like, fuck, like soldiers get injured. Uh, we shoot rockets at uh, Iran. We're like, whatever happens, planes fall out of the sky. Like, it doesn't matter. Like the market just goes up and in turn, um, gold is going up and, and cryptos are going up. Go ahead. No, I was going to just uh, echo your point there. Um, you know, new, new, new highs in the stock market. The Dow's headed to 30,000. Gold's holding 1556. Bitcoin's, um, you know, moved up near the 9,000 mark at 8,900 right now. And it seems like, um, 
we're finally there. Copper's starting to catch a bit again. I think copper's going to have have a heck of a 2020, but it closed at 283, flirted with 285. Um, so yeah, this is what this is what for years, and I always joke that I'm a year or two early on everything, but I, I I've said for years that I'll believe you know, that gold is serious when I see everything go up alongside with it. The only exception right now is the dollar. Um, the dollar has softened a bit. And, and, and my only concern with gold, and, and, and it's, 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 it's a minor concern, but it is a concern, is, you know, what happens if we get a rush into the dollar? I, I have said that I need to see gold and the dollar rise together. That happened in lockstep for most of 2019. Um, 2020 has seen a softer dollar. Gold has responded by heading higher. Everything else has gone higher as well. So I'm curious to see how gold responds to a strengthening dollar, which I still believe that, you know, the U.S. dollar index will hit triple digits this year. I thought it would happen at the end of 2019. It did not. It came really close. Um, but I, I think that'll be the final confirmation. And if not, then maybe we get a slight pullback. Nothing like um, what I thought would happen a couple of years ago where I saw the potential for gold breaking that thousand dollar floor again, you know, on, 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 on a panic sell. I don't think that's the case. I think 13, 1400 is the new floor, even on a pullback. Um, and that's a heck of a floor. If you look at the price assumptions of a lot of these juniors that have, you know, assets with scale, the, the Stib Knight projects of the world, right? With Midas Gold, um, the Ekstaka project for Almaden Minerals, projects like that, um, that, that, that just have a lot of torque if these prices hold up and he, and even if they don't hold up, even if they pull back just a bit, if that's the new floor, there's a lot of runway, you know, the trilogy metals of the world. If you look at a one month chart, that's not a coincidence. So I think 2020 is going to be a heck of a year to speculate. It is a stock pickers market. Again, I don't think that the tide's going to lift all boats this go around, but the markets look interesting as all heck. Um, I got to ask your opinion about the trade deal, which again, like the like the like the story about the soldiers being injured and not being injured, and all this other stuff. A lot more, you know, a lot more show um, than than anything. It seems like a pretty hollow deal to me. Did you get a chance to review it at all? Well, it's almost first of all like it's time to buy the best seats on the last train out of Junior Town, which is something I will be talking about this weekend. <laughs> uh, the trade deal. Tell, tell them where, Nick. Tell them the, where. I was going to uh, get to that at the end, but I'll forget. So tell them where. Well, we're doing the well. At least I'm doing the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. I'll be there presenting on Sunday, talking about what I just said. The the best seats on the last train out of Junior Town. I'll cover some of the. Um, gold junior companies that I own and why. And then I got an email the other day that said, Hey, can you also talk for 20 minutes about uranium? So I guess I'm doing that too. I might just <laughs> wait. I might just wing it and do it without slides though. It, it could be interesting to do that way. Almost like, uh, almost like this podcast, just get up there and rant about how shitty the uranium sector is. Um, but that's where I'll be. It's um, at the convention center in Vancouver Sunday and um, Monday, come on down, say hi. There's a lot of there's a lot of companies there. Something like three or four hundred, and um, obviously gold is is in a good place, as is um, many other uh, commodities in the space. So it should be a, a a good buzz there. Excellent. So back to the trade deal. You know, it it it, it seems like China can opt out if the tariffs aren't li lifted uh, within a certain amount of time. And so I, I asked the question, then what was really accomplished? And, and, and again, I've been very supportive of Trump's approach to wanting a 
new understanding in how China, um, for lack of a better world, lack of a better word, um, has consistently stolen a lot of the best technology from around the world and, and a lot of America's best technology and been able to reverse engineer it and monetize it. I think it's long overdue that we had an administration that deals sternly with the Chinese approach to that aspect of things. Um, I disagree with this president on a host of other issues, but I actually agree that it was time for somebody to stand up to China. I don't agree um, <laughs> that this was the most remarkable, what were the words? This was the most... Uh, the remarkable deal, a momentous moment. Um, this wasn't that. This was a lot of what we already had before. And so I I I I I just don't see a path forward without volatility. And and I think, you know, I say all this to say that. Expect a lot more volatility and, and that's gonna be good for the metals market to a certain extent, especially the gold market. Um may may maybe I dabble in the VIX next week. We'll see. Gosh, how low can the VIX fucking go? The T-VIX had to roll back again. Um, what was, what was, it, did. <laughs> it trades um, like a junior, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, what, what, what was I going to say? Um, I, I was soft on the trade deal, the, the quote-unquote phase one trade deal when it was announced a couple of weeks ago. I, I told you as much that I wasn't buying it. It took several weeks to materialize, and it's um, obviously not an ideal deal. Trump didn't get all the things that he wanted, though, of course, he will parade around town um, as though he did. Uh, China neither got everything uh, that that they wanted. They still, I think, are subject to something like $360 billion in tariffs. Um, the farmers will get some relief, which is important, especially um, in an election year, I think, yep. for Trump in that um, you know, China is going to come back and start buying U.S. agricultural products. But funny enough, that part of the deal only lasts for two years, just long enough to get to the other side of the election. Right. Um, yep. So we'll, we'll see what happens after that. Like, like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a very, I don't want to say flimsy, but it's not complete for sure. Agreed. Did uh did you did you even realize there were Democratic debates this week? <laughs> you know, I didn't, and I'm one to watch the debates. Like, uh, I forget what happened actually. Oh, I think we were cooking dinner or something, and I was looking at at Twitter, and I saw the hashtag Dem debate, and I was like, wait, there's a debate today. So I, yeah. I did turn I did turn it on. I didn't catch all of it, but I had it on in the background for a bit. Well, the big, uh, the big uh, policy and 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 substance-filled moment came when Elizabeth Warren refused to shake Bernie Sanders' hand and appeared to admonish him for whatever reason she felt like admonishing him. So that was the uh, the highlight of that debate, which well, kind of tells you. CNN, CNN <laughs> yeah. actually caught the audio at the end. It was about, I guess. Um, <laughs> Well, if you really want the story, uh, Bernie was. I do. So Bernie supposedly said that um, a female couldn't be, win the presidency. Um, yeah. So th that topic came up uh, during the debate, and Bernie told Warren that he did not say that, like during the debate. And then, so after the debate, they were, you know, everybody shakes hands cordially or whatever, and it was their turn basically to interact with each other. And Bernie put his hand out and she, I don't know if she meant to snub him. It was sort of like she wanted to talk more than shake hands. I don't, th I don't think that's, it wasn't that she didn't want to shake hands, but she wanted to say whatever she had to say. And so uh, she started motioning with her hands instead of shaking Bernie's hands. So I'm not quite sure if it was a snub, but in fact, 
Um, and this is so fucking petty. I can't believe we're talking about it. See, but we all know. I know what <laughs> that's happened, so obviously I exactly. Um, yep. C- CNN got the audio, and she said, um, "I think you just called me a liar on national television." That's what she told Bernie, like off camera. Um, I think you just called me a liar on national television. And he said, let's not do this here. Let's not do this now or something to that effect. And and then it was sort of over. But yeah, that was certainly the Twitter moment that blew up afterward. Again, nothing to do with policy, nothing to do with moving the county fo- country forward, nothing to do with, you know, uh, just all of the things that we are in desperate need of, right? Attention to our infrastructure, um, a restructuring of the criminal justice system, the way we approach mental health, a smarter way to own weapons. Um, none of that is what stuck out. What stuck out is that, you know, the 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 the, the little soap opera dramatic moment at the end um, that is not dramatic and doesn't really affect anyone in any substantial way. And that's why Trump's going to get reelected. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's it. Let's uh, let's pivot to somebody that's not having it. Um, the Russian government quit. Did you read about that? I might have a different take. Let me hear. Well, uh, President Vladimir Putin decided that he wants to go ahead and propose. He he did propose some constitutional amendments that would enable him to hold on to power even after leaving the presidency in 2024. It didn't take very long before Russia's government said it would resign, which it did um, just a few hours after plans for that referendum. And so (laughs) I, again, um, speaking to fourth turning and and movement and just a, a changing of the guard, um, I don't know if in the short term this will have an effect on who leads uh, Russia, but I know that it it speaks volumes to the fact that there are at least some people left that are voting with their conscience. And in this case, you know, these politicians voted to step down and, and, and get out of the way. Now, whether you believe that was coerced by Vladimir or not, it's a whole different conversation for another day, and it's way beyond my pay grade. I'm definitely not an expert in uh, Russian politics, but... Um, pretty remarkable either way. Um, I, thoughts, Nick? I know you had a couple. No, uh, my Russian history class was the worst fucking class I took. <laughs> college was terrible. <laughs> the professor was terrible. The subject matter was terrible. Their names are hard to remember. Um, anyway, it's not my forte, and so I don't have a lot of thoughts except for the last thing that you said where um, I had read some takes where they thought you know Putin was involved in this to try to secure his power for the future, which um, obviously wouldn't be beyond him and is something he's done before. So other than that, I, I don't have really any anything insightful to, to add to that situation as it's not really familiar to me. But Putin being Putin, we just have to wait and see. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I know you're on your way out. I know you're headed um, to Vancouver. I would love to get your thoughts on some companies that you're looking forward to catching up with and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, vetting while you're out there. Any, uh, any names you can share? You're going to make me pull up my calendar. Well, um, one, I participated in a, in a private placement um, a couple of months ago and had sort of been watching them for a year or two. Before that is Rupert Resources. It's RUP on the uh, venture exchange. And um, like Mawson, which 
um, you follow and, and, and which is a sponsor of the resource doc digest site and, you know, which has turned up some very high grades and has a resource and five drills turning, um, you know, Rupert is sort of in a similar category. They have a resource, they have a mill, um, they have multiple drills turning are drilling tens of thousands of meters this year and have also turned up some very high grades. We're talking hundreds of grams of gold per ton over in some cases more than like a meter or a meter and a half. So, um, and that's outside like the, it's a former mine. So that's outside like the formerly mined area. It's, um, it's, it's something that's, it's exciting. And it, it's something that, um, um, you know, wanting to, to learn more about and, and, and potentially tell people more about, right. Um, another one, some I great, have... great numbers too recently, as you, as you, as you mentioned, they're just some great, great, great hits. Um, so yeah, definitely worth looking into another one that I don't talk about as much, um, um, though I certainly am a shareholder and it's in my letters, I seem to talk about Revival a lot and Amadin and, and Midas. I don't talk as much about Magna um, and it's for a couple of reasons. Magna Gold is the company I'm talking about. Now, um, one is it's a very, very new story. Um, it was very much a, a, a thing where we were betting on the team, which is a very successful team with Arturo Benias. Um but um, we knew they were going to go out and acquire properties and we knew they were going to act quickly and we knew they were going to leverage their Rolodex and all that is happening now. So um, I haven't been able to communicate that story as well as I like one, because um, the story is only now really materializing. So I, I very much look forward to um, getting an update about that. And goodness, um, two more quickly is... Um, you've been writing a lot about lithium turning around. I'm going to get a good update from Advantage Lithium, um, which is probably looking to bring in some sort of partner to continue to advance the Calchari project in Argentina. Um, gosh, who else am I meeting with? I'll meet with West Haven Ventures. I've already taken a property tour up there. I drove up there a couple of weeks ago. The market cap is a bit rich for my blood, especially when weighed against some of uh, the companies that I know to you know already possess uh, many more ounces than than West Haven has, albeit at different stages in their development. But I'll meet with West Haven. Um, gosh, maybe one more. I'll meet with Azarga. Um, they just put out a mm. PEA today that I haven't had a chance to to read too much, but it did look like the after tax NPV was several times the the current market cap. Just a quick glance I took at it. So um, it'll be good to get Blake Steele's take on on that PEA from Azarga. Um, and then, you know, other stuff always pops up, but we'll see what happens. There we go, everybody. So Rupert, Azarga, Advantage Lithium, West Haven Ventures, and I'm sure a boatload of other companies that you're going to be um, talking with while you're there. And Magna, Magna Gold. And, and, and back to Magna, I know that Arturo Bonilla, the CEO, is still hard at work on the M&A trail. He's made it very clear that the two properties um, which which we'll see drilling this year will not be the only two properties in the portfolio. And again, if anybody has a Rolodex um, worth its weight in gold, it's definitely Arturo Bonillas in Mexico. Um, so yeah, I think those are all quality names uh, to take a peek at. Pretty good commodity diversification there. You have a lithium play, a couple of gold plays, a uranium play. Solid work, Mr. Hodge. Solid work, as uh, always. Blind squirrels and nuts. <laughs> well, I think that's all we got. Gold's holding up. Bitcoin's holding up. The market's record highs. Everything is awesome. The Fed is considering 
um, lending directly to hedge funds um, in the repo market to help stabilize that. So I think the four letter word that everybody needs to keep top of mind this year is repo. I, I, I sense that that is going to become a story that has very, very important implications for the future of these markets. So um, yeah, watch the repo market, everybody. Nick, anything to add before we get out of here? No, that's it. I mean, we're going to get through this short little um, impeachment thing um, in not, not too long. Uh, we're going to get over the Megxit. We're going to get over the Iran thing. And so <laughs> Megxit. Sooner or later, the the chickens are going to come home to roost with this market. And um, I highly anticipate it. I like it. All right, everybody. You know the you know the routine around here. Be nice to each other. Do something nice for yourself. Do something nice for someone else. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 53 of Bizarro World. Say goodbye, Nick. See ya.